Hello researchers. Welcome to the episode number 2 of the Research Guy podcast. Today with me I have Shivashi Jaydev who is a doctoral student at ETH Zurich Switzerland. Shivashi is an IIT Trichy's alumni and gold medalist of the batch of 2018 and has been a constant guide for me for the past 3 years. In this episode we'll discuss about Shivashi's research on plastic valorization and its implication on waste minimization and energy recovery. Further we'll also learn more about careers in STEM in Europe and the viable options for students to pursue their MS PhD or any other degree in Europe. At last we'll compare US and Europe on multiple parameters with respect to research in higher studies and conclude the podcast with some lighthearted questions about Shibashi's life and his goals. Stay tuned till the end and happy listening. Hi Shibashi how are you? How's uh, life at Zurich going on? it's you know it's the standard phd life slow and steady and it's quite cold these days so that's also something new because last year we didn't have any uh, winter as such but this year the winter has been very harsh so far okay so tell us about your life as a phd student like what's a typical uh, day in a life of shivashish and how does work proceed what is your area of expertise <laughs> and what are you working on uh, yes so i mean just to give the background i i also did my masters at eth and uh, during my masters uh, we had absolutely no time like because it was super hectic and um, i had to finish all 90 credits in one and a half years where many people also take two years so very hectic so i was kind of used to the hectic uh, time schedule and obviously because switzerland is so expensive you have to do your own things for example cooking and uh, you don't know all, you know all the household chores you have to do it yourself i'm i'm sure it's it's the same for everyone who's living outside even in the us so time management is is you know high on the priority list and even now uh, i i would say my day doesn't start super early like uh, like some people are like 5 i'm a 5 am person i'm a 6 am person i i'm not a 5 am 6 am person because i i just feel dull the whole day if i get up early in the morning right, so I, right. i i comfortably get up at around 7 between 7:30 to 8 and i don't live very far from the university so i uh, i can reach there in maybe 15 minutes so i try to make it uh, before 9 because that mm-hmm. at least looks good that i'm there before 9 and if anybody needs me although there is absolutely no such restriction i mean ETH is very very informal with their PhD students and you can really come in at 12 at 12 noon and go whenever you want as long as your work is getting done uh, it really depends from lab to lab supervisor to supervisor and uh, at the end of the day what your supervisor wants from you is your best productivity and if in the group meeting which usually happens once a month or so if you are able to uh, wrap up all your work no one cares what time you really spend in the lab personally i i go at 9 i try to reach by 9 and uh i think 9 to 9:30 i just organize my day just reply to emails and try to plan out what to do today because i figured that if i don't think the first half an hour of the day then i'm not really doing anything productive like the, the day is kind of directionless mm-hmm. and uh after 9:30 i really start working on the experiments which i took it around 12:30 to 1 and then i go for a quick lunch I, i just randomly walk off to the cafeteria finish my food in like 5 minutes and 
get a coffee and just go and again do some stuff like reply to emails or uh, other stuff and then i start again at 1 and from 1 to let's say 5 i work quite non stop and i i'm an experimentalist so i have to True. really be present with all the stuff all the time it's right, not like right. i have to code something i have to yeah really be hands on and uh, around 5 i just take a small break have some coffee talk to some friends this this is a typical day i come at uh, come back home at around 8:30 try to cook something there is i'm not specific about food at all yeah uh, i just eat whatever i want most of the time it's frozen so food. you cook every day generally yeah sometimes it's supermarket <laughs> food so yeah it's right. fine uh, and then by 10 10 or so i'm not really doing anything and i i from 10 to 11 30 i'm just watching sports highlights or mm-hmm. uh, it could be cricket basketball whatever and or just commentary and i try to sleep before 12 30 your take on your day is very interesting that 5 uh, minute lunch thing i really like is it is it like uh, m- because in group lunches maybe you cannot concentrate a lot on yourself and the food you're eating and it hampers kind of the creativity which you get in your free time i mean is that kind of the thinking which happens in your mind yes yes uh, to some to certain extent yes because uh, so the thing is the lunch takes place in between two research phases so i'm right. working from 9 to 12 and i'm working from 12:30 to let's say 5 hmm. and within this time i have to uh, like have food and get some rest and stuff yeah that, that's my that's my take on lunch like just hmm. try to be as productive as well actually that is productive <laughs> tell us about your research in uh, eth i mean i've heard that you are working on plastic valorization but mm-hmm. can you expand more on that what is exactly your part uh, in that uh, whole area yeah so i mean uh, we all know about the the problems related to plastic waste and this whole idea of uh, building a sustainable economy Uh, a circular economy uh, where theoretically you could uh, make the best out of the wa- waste and stuff like that uh, and and i i have to tell you that the plastic conversion field like trying to convert plastic or to valorize plastic or i don't know upgrade plastic however you like to call it is not very uh, is not very new i mean people are right. doing the uh, recently we published a paper in chem the journal hmm. from the hmm. cell press where we did an extensive analysis of how long is it it was a review paper how long this field has been going on and it was a very statistical analysis actually had to go through bunch of literature to uh, analyze this field from uh, like its total depth so we found that it's it's not it's not a new field at all people have been trying to do it a lot but mm-hmm. off late what has changed is people have realized that if you want to get uh, if you if you want to actually practice it and not really publish it in papers because what goes into publication in papers is far from what can go into the industry i mean the gap right. is extensively huge you cannot okay. imagine how improbable some of the things in publications are because they are done on a lab scale in a very very controlled environment in a very small scale people have realized that if you want to increase the scale and go further closer to the industry you have to involve uh, catalysts because Uh, otherwise you are just not making the process economically feasible mm-hmm. so the focus has shifted from you know brute force 
uh, brute force conversion of plastics to yeah. sort of an elegant conversion of plastics to uh, with with use of catalysis and sophisticated chemical pathways mm-hmm. and and that's where that's where our group comes in because i work at the advanced catalysis engineering group uh, mm-hmm. headed by professor perez ramirez yeah uh, who's an expert in catalysis and uh, we try to really sort of discover or design catalysts i mean the specialization is designing like you you come up with a synthesis method and or you yeah. come up with a treatment method so it's it's more of a, and you have to know a lot of uh, <clears throat> solid state chemistry as well so it mm-hmm. my field is kind of yeah. a I, I i the chemical engineering knowledge is prerequisite because i'm evaluating those catalysts but yeah. i have to be pretty handy with uh, material sciences and general chemistry mm. general inorganic chemistry understanding how all the noble uh, noble elements noble metals work and what they can do what they cannot do for your reaction mm-hmm. so exactly my my work is to fit catalysis into this picture of plastic recycling the interesting thing about plastics is everyone who works in catalysis tries to use as simple molecules as possible because our idea our our goal is not really to you know this i mean do anything with molecules it's 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 more to do with the chemistry which is um, helped by the catalyst or the chemistry which is initiated by the catalyst and that's why we try to use simple molecules and when you do plastics you are you have to study a lot of physics as well because it's so viscous that it's quite difficult to to stir it in the reactor mm-hmm. you can't use a fluidized bed reactor which or, or you can't use a you, basically you can't use a continuous reactor because you are not dealing with gases or liquids anymore you are doing with Uh, viscous melts so you you start using a batch reactor and then you complicate things you can't do a temporal analysis of products you can't your your uh, gas chromatography is not running 24/7 you're doing manual injections in your gas chromatography so there's a lot of setup which also went into this phd and mm-hmm. it's only been for the last two months that i have actually started looking at catalysis so i've really okay. started my pro- phd project in the last two months so the goal is that you develop efficient catalysts to valorize or make plastic more reusable and uh, upgrade it in such a way that it can be used by industry is yes. that the goal yes okay. yes so the goal is to repurpose you can call it repurpose plastic but repurpose okay. in a chemical way for example right. either either i create a monomer that i had in because plastic is a polymer so mm-hmm. either either i get a very high yield of the monomer so i can make more plastic using the monomer mm-hmm. or recently what people have tried doing is convert the plastic into a lubricant or a wax or right. a chem- chemically uh, usable product value added chemicals kind exactly, of exactly exactly everything okay. everything is better than burning off plastic in an incinerator it's <laughs> right. it's, it's right. always the worst because firstly you are getting no value out of it okay mm-hmm. some people would like to show me some obscure lca which says that we are able to retrieve some thermal energy out of uh, Mm-hmm. uh the incineration plants yeah. but if you did a uh, you know you did a not a industry industrial lca like you know the boundaries if you if you extend the boundaries to a planetary scale instead of mm-hmm. having a industrial scale you will discover that you are producing so much co2 that at the end of the day your your carbon balance is horribly off um uh, you know it's 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 you can't even take a look at it it's so bad right and right. then uh, yeah you are just leaving behind tons of co2 
mm-hmm. and other harmful gases so not the best way to go about it right so everything is better than incinerating plastic i mean whatever you do <laughs> to convert it into something useful whatever value it adds i think as you said it is much better than uh, simply uh, yes. polluting the atmosphere more with more co2 and just offshooting yes. the carbon balance and stuff exactly i mean uh, right. unfortunately most uh, most of the countries don't have access to this kind of tech which can take advantage of the fact that people are going to innovate catalysts in future which mm-hmm. can be used for converting plastic into value added products yeah uh, so they just go for incinerating but as as people in catalysis research it's also important for us to make uh, to keep an uh, eye on economics and that's where my my engineering uh, background helps right. me mm-hmm. because if i was a chemist then i would look for fancy stuff you know exactly yeah uh, organic chemists are are mm-hmm. are they love fancy molecules yeah uh, they love how complicated the environment of a noble metal can be <laughs> for them it's like that that adds more excitement to discovery exactly. of a new but, molecular but, chemical yes yes but but is that but my engineering background makes me think is that molecule ever going to end up in the industry to to be as practical as possible you need to think of the economics because at the, no matter right. what research you do at the end of your phd you have to do some kind of an lca study and then you design something that your lca is not even worth looking at and that's not what, what i want what's lca can you tell what's lca ah, sorry uh, sorry um, lca is basically a life cycle analysis where you see that if i start from point a and i reach at point b and you mm-hmm. account for all the small things that you did between point a and point b mm-hmm. and then you try to see if your costs are more on the positive side or if you ended up losing something uh, okay. people have also recently started taking into account pollution Mm-hmm. as a negative okay. cost and yeah. which i think is important because if you are uh, if you did for example incineration if you mm. it's it's quite cheap to incinerate plastic and you are getting yeah. rid of a lot of waste but yeah. if you took uh, the carbon balance of shooting that you did in the process your lca mm. would be hugely negative coming uh, next i mean the, your research is actually very interesting because when someone hears plastic valorization or reuse of plastic it mm-hmm. seems very uh, what do you say cliche because it's been uh, talked a lot that you know plastic we have to be recycled and stuff but uh, going into detail of that stuff was uh, yes. something interesting how do you compare it with us uh, people doing phd in us and people i mean i know the basic idea that the studies in europe like specifically switzerland and even delft and other places it's more intense as compared to us but still i would like to know more about that from you i think what i have heard is uh, from friends I, i i don't know i i honestly i don't know much about how it's because i obviously have never experienced the curriculum and uh, what i have heard is that the us curriculum keeps you very busy like you have assignments okay. you have uh, you have daily tasks and uh, yeah. yeah but i was also told by a friend of mine who's doing a chemical engineering at uh, i think arizona state university that it's okay uh, it's quite easy to score a 4 on 4 i mean if you right. are if you right. if you are a if you studied at nit you uh, and mm-hmm. you you are a uh, you are a decent student you are a sincere student you would not mm-hmm. find it very difficult to mm-hmm. score let's say a 3.8 plus or a out of 4 right 
hmm. which is which, which looks great on paper but uh, okay. yes yes probably because the assignments have a contribution or i don't i don't really know how it works but right. but uh, coming to eth and tu delft like which are the let's say the top two universities in the continental europe tu delft yeah. also keeps their students busy like you have right. stuff to do all the time and they have this system <laughs> called the called the quarter based system where they divide a semester into two, two sections yeah yeah just yeah. <laughs> mind blowing and you are I, i think i think one of my friend who did chemical engineering with me in tu delft told me this very nice thing which stuck to me is that the only free time i have <laughs> is when i'm having my food and when i'm cycling back from university <laughs> <laughs> so 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 that so is true that is true so the tu delf really likes to keep its students busy uh, yeah. eth is complete opposite you can okay at, attendance is not mandatory you may not okay. go into uh, classes ever you have very yeah. little assignments very very less assignments few courses have mm-hmm. assignments most of them don't yeah the class yeah. size is huge for the professor to bother about us individual student and <laughs> okay some professors do but some class sizes are small but usually yeah. big and we don't have that many yeah. assignments we are not that busy honestly you could go uh, hiking or you could go uh, skiing every every weekend it's not a problem but the main difference yeah. is in tu delft yeah. the exams are reasonable in eth okay. the exams are out of the world <laughs> and how do you compare it with us like do you know anything about the examinations there i i i think i don't know <laughs> as i said i don't know but the exams here are they will it, it's like it's like someone is trying to take a hammer and bang your head with the hammer if right, you right. they they are they are very focused on fundamentals and yeah. and we have this thing called oral exams the, it's okay. nasty it is nasty yeah. i can sound say, nasty <laughs> we, you have 30 minutes you have yeah. to choose an envelope which has a question mm-hmm. and you basically have a discussion with the professor you teach the professor okay and, and the kind of doubts the professor asks and how you solve those doubts is what decides your grade uh-huh. and if you don't know your thing you know <laughs> you right. can't answer those doubts because those yeah. doubts are damn difficult yeah 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 and then you end up scoring very low <laughs> so i mean it's right to say that the whole education in eth is uh, or i would say generally in europe is much more different in us i mean that was yes. the original thing that i think europe has been more competitive in that respect and us likes people to network more and yes. attend more conferences and do that stuff Yes. So, yeah. Uh, US networking is a very big thing I would say. Mm-hmm. Here yeah. here people half of the people are on LinkedIn half of the people are not on LinkedIn. There is okay. another, so uh, the, the networking obviously it, it matters a lot. It matters. Uh, yes, yes. You can really get some good jobs with only recommendations from people that you know and right. there is not really a system of uh, you know like uh, organizing an interview with 40 candidates or 50 candidates like it happens in India. okay so and how then, how does job i mean how does that job scenario happens there uh, it mostly works on a referral based system that you get uh, okay from someone who you did your internship with or your professor or right. uh, someone who who knows about who can vouch for you mm-hmm. or, or yeah. sometimes sometimes you have these uh, courses business uh, summer courses where you go and then you really get to know someone who is in the recruiting uh, 
Okay. And uh, this is helpful. So this is where uh, how how uh, you uh, talk to recruiting managers in in the events and how how much it's sort of networking, but it's not you know your at the end of the day your grade matters a lot. Uh, the the grade matters because the companies have been asked. Uh, some one company was even bothered to ask me what I did for my master thesis because they really want to know uh, how how. You, yeah how, how good a student you are because it's not so easy to get the grade like that's what that's that's the thing like uh, and and companies know it company knows that if you have a good grade then you really understand the subject at least i can say that for eth if anybody has a grade of above 5 on 6 because we have a 6 point scale if you have a cumulative yeah. grade of 5 then you did really well so um, i mean after uh... ETH MS how many how what is the percentage of people taking jobs or moving towards higher studies PhD or postdoc or uh, working there I can speak for Indians 95% of the Indians end up taking PhD 95 uh, or, or so? firstly there is obviously the language barrier uh, uh, there is the immigration barrier uh, in in Swiss okay I'm saying this, if you want to, if you have a desire to work in Switzerland, it's quite tough because Switzerland is one of those countries where uh, it's difficult to get this uh, work permit if you are a non-European. And it's it's just, it's, it's not okay. the company doesn't want to hire you. It's just that the companies can hire you, but it will be very, it will be a tough job for them to actually get you uh, a work permit because, and, and I have nothing mm -hmm. against, I have nothing against that policy because as a country, you want to give the first right of employment to your citizens. The, the part of the reason why Switzerland is so successful as a country is because okay, the yeah. citizens of Switzerland and the residents of uh, the citizens of Switzerland are valued a lot. Right. And uh, that, that's what makes it difficult if you want to find work in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. But obviously, because you, you went to ETH, Everybody knows you in Europe. Everybody knows ETH in Europe. And you yeah. can go to Germany. You can go to Netherlands. You, you can go everywhere. But again, and, that language barrier uh, plays a very crucial role for jobs. Yes, it does. Even in Germany, it plays a role. Uh, usually, the bigger the company, the lesser is the... Or, or it also depends on the role that you play. If you are going to work in the R&D, then more, right. it, it happens everything in English. But yeah, if you yeah. are uh, willing... If you are going to work in like supply chain or any a role where you have to manage people where uh, they don't speak English that mm. well or where most of the documentation is going to be in the local language, then mm -hmm. it's important that you know the local language. For my case, I didn't bother learning it because I knew I was going to do a PhD, but I, I have yeah. friends who want to seek a job in Germany or in Switzerland and they are learning mm. the language. They're, they're actively learning German. So apart from Switzerland, how... Switzerland, as you said, gives top priority to its own citizens. But what about other countries in European Union? Is it uh, more feasible there or is it the same case? Uh, I know for sure that it's more feasible in the Netherlands. Because okay. industrially, if you see the Netherlands is much, much more uh, sophisticated and voluminous is, yeah. compared to Switzerland, especially yeah. for the chemical industry. You have lots of yeah. uh, petrochemical companies over there. So mm -hmm. it's it's relatively easier. It's nothing compares to the us it's quite easy to get a job in the us compared right, to what right. it is in the euro that's right uh, like i i have no two opinions on that however mm. it has become increasingly difficult to find a job in in us as well 
it's, it it's is. the it's, influx it's, of people has been increasing a lot exactly exactly and that's the reason why it has become it, the 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 difficulty level of finding a job in the us is increasing whereas in europe it mm. was already already tough right and you yeah. you you tend to find a job easier in germany or in netherlands because these have bigger industrial setups in netherlands okay you can get hired but not without having to look really hard uh, that mm. that shouldn't really discourage people from taking up studies in europe because firstly you're paying such less amount right. of money and you really have to that think is, on you true. have to think on the return on investment i mean i i knew that i was go, i may have, i may go for a phd so i didn't want to go to cornell even yeah. though cornell sounds much fancier than eth and everyone knows about it yeah. uh, i didn't want to go to imperial yeah, yeah. even though it sounds much fancier than eth because you end mm. up spending a lot of money there and uh, right right uh, basically i spent very little money at eth i was doing assistantship mm-hmm. and uh, yeah it was fine i didn't even have to show collateral like for my long term plan yeah <laughs> i think in the long term plan that is more uh, that is more why feasible i would say rather than spending uh, like crores and crores of money on ms it really depends on how you look at it for example if you know that you are just doing your master studies because you can work in the us or you can work for one of the big companies or you are not going to do a phd later then i would think mm-hmm. that uh, if you if you know that you are going to do a phd later it always helps if you go to a good university like a top ranking university but right. it's fine if you don't go to a top ranking university and you pay a little less let's compare two universities uh, let's say mit and uh, and uh, uh, i don't know iit bombay let's say okay I-, i went to mit for my masters and i published no papers okay i went to iit bombay for my masters and i and i published 10 papers during my masters right, right. who do you think a professor at eth is more likely to hire obviously mit has the name and stuff but yeah. the the person who went to iit bombay and published 10 papers makes a really strong case for himself it because is, he yeah. he did a lot of research yeah he does he does yeah so that's the thing and person who went to iit bombay probably spent not a lot and person who went to mit <laughs> probably spent a fortune exactly uh, exactly so yeah that's actually again i mean all those who are listening that's a good point to see what is your goal i mean if it's just ms and then take a job then you might not uh, be considered so you might not consider a lot about the fortune you're spending but if it's like a long term goal for phd and research then choose wisely mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. i've heard this again that uh, the standard of living and the money which switzerland pays is like uh, very high as compared to other <laughs> european countries even us in general even if you see the conversion rate and all how uh, do you want to uh, inspire people <laughs> to come to europe <laughs> in that stuff because i mean money is every indian's first priority going abroad most yeah. of them at least yeah 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 so so uh, for me how i how i thought about it was okay i had the option i had the decision to make uh, after my masters whether i wanted to do a job or a phd because my family was actively pursuing me to get a job <laughs> so <laughs> right. so uh, i thought let's say i i don't get a job in switzerland and there are honestly enough chances enough enough um uh, how do you say it's a good good chance that i don't get a job in switzerland yeah i mean switzerland has a priority to give visas to those who work in google and facebook offices in zurich 
because mm-hmm. google and facebook are the economy generator for switzerland <laughs> and, and apple <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, yeah they don't yeah. they don't care about an indian who wants to work in some obscure chemical company right yeah, yeah, they can yeah. hire a swiss person right. and, and train them and honestly that makes more yeah. sense if i was working in the swiss government i would do that as well <laughs> yeah so then that leaves me the option that i can go to a, a, a petrochemical company in in the netherlands honestly there are nice ones like there is shell there is um, mm-hmm. there yeah. is total there is um, i think dow chemicals is also there dow chemicals is also there and i i could go there uh, i would get paid yeah. uh, i i would i i could land a job there i would get paid let's say 70000 euro as my net salary mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i i will spend 40% in taxes because that's how the taxes are uh, outside okay. of switzerland and um, <laughs> so 40% tax means i spend 28000 euro in taxes and yeah. at the end what i get is uh, 40000 euro right 42000 yeah. yeah. euro if i yeah. on as opposed to that if i took a phd in switzerland which i knew i have a high chance of getting because i did my master's at eth i know the professors if i did that mm-hmm. i would my my gross salary of before taxes is and i i am not employed at a very high rate for example at eth we have rates if you are doing mm-hmm. a field like computer science or electrical engineering you get paid the highest which starts at mm-hmm. 70000 francs in the first year mm-hmm. as a mm-hmm. phd student and adds at 80000 francs Uh, in okay. the third in the third year and beyond third year it doesn't increase in okay. in chemical and in, in fields where uh, the research itself is cost intensive for example chemical right. pharmaceutical i mean right. if the, the labs have a lot of money in these yeah. fields they probably yeah. more money than computer science but Definitely, their yeah. equipments cost a lot so yeah. phd's get paid lower Definitely, so yeah. chemical engineers we start at 53000 euro 53000 okay. francs Okay. And, and the difference between euro and franc is not so much it's like 1.2 yeah, yeah, yeah. or okay. the conversion rate is like 1.2 so it's practically okay. similar and yeah. we we end at like 58000 i think hmm. and 58000 francs uh, uh without and, taxes uh, yeah this is a gross salary but i pay only yeah. 13% tax 13 <laughs> so at the, at the end of the day i'm earning the same hmm. amount of money that i would hmm. have earned in a job in in yeah. netherlands yeah Uh, as a student and as as somebody who's from india and not very expensive yeah i will probably spend not okay the higher the standard of living is way costlier in switzerland but yeah. because because i am not into going to bars and restaurants and uh, doing right. all the fancy stuff yeah. it wouldn't make a lot of difference for me if i stayed in netherlands or if i stayed in switzerland some some companies mm-hmm. like it if you have a phd some some say that you might as well have taken some work experience right right that's right. very company specific but the higher you go on the company innovation scale let's say if you are going to a very mm. innovative company then they like it if you do did a phd because yeah. then in those 3 years you never stop thinking you yeah, you were yeah. you were thinking something something yeah uh, so yeah i think that's that's the whole essence of uh, companies or innovating or the r&d in general because they yes. want people who want to innovate rather than do monotonously the same kind of thing as a yes, job yes yes right. exactly so what do you have in mind after your phd like what's the plan uh after my phd i would uh, so three options for me either i uh, go to academia if my phd is mm-hmm. st- if i do a stellar phd i go to, i may go to academia that's the is the last priority last priority what because what does stellar phd means uh, i mean if i st- a stellar phd means i have a 
I have a publication in Nature. Let's say that's it. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. okay. So okay. all those who are hearing Nature is like the most reputed journals. And... No, if not if not Nature, something in the Nature family, like Nature Catalysis or or Nature Sustainability. Yeah. Let's say I have very good very good papers. Right. I have I have seven to eight papers or I don't know ten papers. Okay. Some 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 people in my group have fifteen papers. Even their okay. PhD, so mm-hmm. they're like incredibly good. If I have a stellar PhD, I can think of academia. Other option is to go to a consultancy because I I could uh, go to a BCG or a McKinsey or or a Bain and Co, which are like the top consultancies mm-hmm. or a consultancy that deals have like Honeywell, uh, basically yeah. basically management consulting but in chemical engineering. Uh, so what's the job profile there? I mean, how what? Does a consultant in chemical engineering will do there? Uh, okay, as a chemical, I don't know how these. I think most of these companies like McKinsey and Bain they focus more on finances in India. I I really don't know what they do in India, but I have attended okay. a few things, few of their events in Europe, and I know that right. they actively advise chemical industries to right. optimize processes. Let's say, let's put it okay. that way. That okay. that if I have an optimization problem that I am not able to solve with the uh, internal internal pool that I have, internal mm-hmm. pool of employees that I have, mm-hmm. I re- I basically outsource it to uh, consultancies, which is going to put its consultants to use, and we then suggest a process which makes it makes the process more economical or right. uh, makes it more sustainable or. uh we do an analysis for the company and tell them what's what they can expect 5 years down the line right stuff right. like that the, the third option is the core option like uh, go to a r&d work for bsf or work for dow chemical uh, innovation center right like, right like really do chemistry and, and but then that, that job thing again comes up right whether switzerland or other countries yes, will give but, you but, but as a phd you are in this uh, bracket of highly educated or highly qualified where getting yeah, a work yeah, permit yeah. is way easier than getting it as a master student after masters right yes right. yes yes because then the company has a justification because mm. uh, that you did a phd and you did a phd in this specific area which they are looking for right right as a master right. student what specific are they going to tell the authorities that you did a master thesis and that's that's not a justification enough right yeah, but yeah. if a company is looking to hire me as a catalyst specialist or something mm-hmm. that's a big justification for the company to convince the immigration authorities that i need to be employed to conclude it what is your take on uh, sorry what is your advice for the people who will be applying the next fall i mean people will be applying for 2022 yes i would say don't only consider the reputation of the university sometimes right. you get too swayed away by the reputation of the university mm-hmm. and consider other factors consider if you if that state in the us has a job what's the job profile like i mm-hmm. would prefer to go to uh, texas or delaware where there is a lot of chemical industries and that th- that matters so see mm-hmm. see these things i mean a texas a&m university might not be as good as uh, as good as uh, university of pennsylvania but right. uh, it it can it can get you a better job because it's in texas and right, companies right. want to hire so don't get swayed away by the reputation of the university uh, also make sure that you are not ready to spend endless amount of money i wouldn't pay 100000 to go to a i would rather go to a school that's ranked 5 ranking below or 10 ranking below and pay half the money yeah 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 so, that's more feasible i would say yeah 
don't so i i like optimization problems don't make it an optimization problem with a single variable that's the thing <laughs> if you if you did that then you didn't put enough effort into thinking about your future think about right, everything right, right. like think about how, how whether you want to come back to india mm. i mean and, and don't pass it on like okay we will see it in future no think about it like mm. it's it's you are going to graduate and it's it's high time that you start making important decisions and it is it is and uh, yeah so make it a make it a multivariate thing instead of okay i will go to the best university that i get into no it's not necessarily yeah that, that's like the indian conventional thinking that uh, no. i mean ranking 1 is better than ranking 5 whatever you take so See, that all, is uh, all, all people who you don't trusted as advisors but you rather look yeah. at as what will they think yeah they're not going to give a shit about you after 5 years or yeah people years. don't really think about us like they have their own set of problems why will they think about us <laughs> exactly exactly so go to people that you think can be trusted with their opinions and do as they say right. or discuss with them so so do True. it for your own reason and not because someone thinks that it's a good university right, because right you don't want to be part of that stress which is unnecessary like mm-hmm. so, uh, when you are living alone in a foreign country and all you can think about is how will i pay back my loan and honestly not everyone is good so don't uh, make exceptions your examples <laughs> yeah if i can right. if i went to us with a uh, i don't know 100000 loan and i paid it off in one year that person may not be you in in two yeah, that, years that's yeah that's an exception that's an anomaly yeah. i would say that's not a general thing <laughs> do do it do it in the worst case scenario plan for the worst case scenario yeah like, think yeah. of alternatives like mm-hmm. uh, like make it a task for you don't don't like some people just think that oh are fancied by the idea of going to like abroad for masters but yeah, you have yeah. to really think about your family as well like whether True. i was lucky that my parents were said that they will be able to support me no matter which university i go to mm-hmm. but it's not the case with everyone and mm. honestly i really respect that i really respect people who could have gone anywhere but didn't go somewhere because they didn't want it to be a burden on their parents right, right, right. it's very very important that is actually a very useful advice i must say i mean yes. i'll definitely highlight it at the end no matter what happens but yes. uh, i think that was a very deep conversation with shivashish about his research and careers in us europe yes. and the whole comparison was very interesting so to end the podcast i have some uh, really four to five one line kind of questions which i think you might be very interested to answer sure. so we'll i'll quickly answer them one by one so Uh, the one thing which you like and unlike about yourself uh like uh, determination like uh, I, i can really push myself to limits mm-hmm. and unlike is uh disorganized sometimes i'm just too disorganized for my own good nice so the next question is if you were not pursuing chemical engineering in the first place what would you have been doing 
I mean, if my rank was better enough in JE, I would probably go for mechanical engineering. No, like. Oh, okay, like, like if I was not an engineer at engineering. all. Engineering. Yeah. Or then I would do economics. Oh, okay. Why so? I mean, I, you I would. A... I would do something that's uh, related to money. So. as you started with the quote that phd life is going slow and steady so the question is that how do you keep yourself motivated and productive uh, even though we know that phd crisis sometimes in between and it can be exhausting and stuff so if i am in the lab then i'm all my phd's like my life is devoted to my research if i'm not in my lab mm. then i don't even know if i'm doing a phd like i i really switch off like i really switch off and this this gives me motivation because then and then i take one day at a time i can't do anything by being in the lab till 12 i have to stop some point come relax mm-hmm. and start the next day it's yeah people have been people in my lab advise me it's not a sprint it's a marathon which is kind of true that which is which is actually true that you have to right. be slow at some point you have to be fast at some point it's it's the flexibility that matters right. and not uh, yeah it's, it's it's the flexibility is very important that's that's my take on it like otherwise it's mm-hmm. just too yeah. stressful don't don't bring your work it home. is i i, I yeah, don't yeah. talk about my work at all with my flatmates yeah, yeah i mean family. that switch that shift yeah that just that, that shift actually helps even i would agree to that Yeah. So I mean I I would say I'm not a very big fan of uh, I, I mean I I don't really advocate the thing that you have to have a super good work life balance no but yeah. like uh, you have to come every day at 5 5 o'clock no mm-hmm. be flexible and right you will always have free time right so what are your personal goals and uh, any items you wanted to share from your bucket list as such um from from my bucket list um i don't know i I'll probably i want to make some save some money so that i can go to another country like few <laughs> few other countries like nice probably japan or something like that's i i i like traveling and i really like travel planner uh, travel planning uh, okay and uh, so i would go somewhere from right uh, also yeah that i think traveling is a, is high on the priority list for me <laughs> okay nice and uh, any final message you want to give for the young audience who are listening to this podcast like uh, any message with respect to higher studies in general okay uh, specific to higher studies or like just approach to everything or... maybe any advice yeah i mean anything which you wanted to share i would say uh, the thing that has most helped me during my undergrad my masters and also during my phd is really staying uh, true to yourself like as i mentioned just don't try to fool yourself uh, if you if you know that something uh, don't try to build a facade which other people like right uh, right uh, try to be as uh, if you know that you didn't work hard don't think that you are going to get a 50 on 50 in the in the semester <laughs> exam <laughs> yeah. your hard work is always going to be proportionate your result will always be proportionate to your hard work and if you did something honestly don't fuss about it yeah if i worked hard honestly if i did it and i still didn't get in 
I, I couldn't have done more. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I mean, yes, that that's my advice. Like, do it, do it to the best of your ability, and no more. Like, no more. It, yes. Okay, I think that is a, a very unique thing which most people don't share. It's already it's always about uh, work hard more and you know make lives better and stuff. But staying true to ourselves is the essence of working productively. I would say in yes. a long time, and you don't really get stressed about what people say about yourself, but what you think about you. Well, okay. The podcast was actually very interesting, and I would like to thank Shivaji for sparing out his Sunday <laughs> for us. And <laughs> thanks to you, thanks to you that. for uh, giving me a chance. Oh yeah, I mean the young audience will be definitely looking for for the the podcast, and uh, I really thank you again for opening up and uh, I mean giving all that you had. As you said, I mean you were really true to yourself, given that uh, we actually discovered a lot. which we might not even get to know from internet or talking to people so thank yes. you for opening that uh, new phase my pleasure of my pleasure my pleasure that was shibashish jaydev sharing some extremely valuable insights for higher studies abroad i hope you really like this episode of the research guy podcast if you wish to listen to any of your favorite researchers or scientists do tell me at the email given in the description I'll meet you soon for the next episode of the Research Guy podcast. Until then, stay safe and keep innovating.